0: not to get kicked off of this one here all right welcome to episode 178 of the canadian prepper podcast recorded september 25th to 2022 my name is ian and i'm a hermit fueled by caffeine and stress on vancouver island
1: and i'm jeff i'm based in central ontario i'm a target shooter ham radio operator general overall handyman and weather nerd
2: and i'm brad i'm in eastern ontario consider myself a part-time amateur prepper constantly trying to better myself
3: and I'm Darius. I'm a local mag leader and avid prepper in southern Alberta. I'm Pierre. I'm a beard owner and t-shirt artist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have anything, so I had to do something.
4: <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I was like, you know what? I'll just run with it. We're good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's not hey, if wrong. you want to
1: help, uh, help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper podcast on the air, buy some swag. We have both the Canadian Prepper podcast t-shirt and the Tactical Velcro patch. You can find them both at www.prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled.
3: And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes to like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or just if there's a topic you want us to cover, you can email us at feedback@prepperpodcast.ca. All right. The only reason I said that PR,
0: of course, is because I'm totally jealous because I've got my mini PR going on right now, but it's going to disappear in like a couple days. So <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> it took me it. two years, two years. But, standards. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's going to all go away. But anyway, we have some uh, OCD content for you tonight in this episode. We're going to start off with some uh, recent news, update our personal preps, then we'll get into the main topic, which is pantry rotation. So news time. Um I don't know if you guys heard about this part, uh, but all the big box stores like Walmart and, uh, let's see, I think it was Target down the States. A couple other ones are all cancelling all their orders. I don't know if you guys heard anything about that.
2: I
1: heard a little no, bit, and not that's, much more than that. That's it, stunningly shocking.
0: Well, it's interesting because I think a lot of people, you know, when they shop at a lot of these places, it's because they have either excess income or uh, how do you describe it? Like they're they're budget conscious or whatever, so I think as soon as something goes hiccup in their their budget or whatever, the you know I guess they, but they had stimmy money or whatever coming in, it all came to an end down the states here, what two weeks ago, and then in Canada with the interest rate changes and everything else, and I guess people are having a tougher time affording a house and stuff, so maybe they're just skimping on all the extras. So it seems that it's like across the board, all the big box stores are just kind of saying, you know what, we we're not anticipating any sales this this fall, so. Never mind. And so, okay, the good news is that took care of the uh, the backup of the uh, ships at Long Beach and a couple other places. There's no no more backlog of the ships trying to unload stuff because there's nothing coming in. So,
1: but I, I that, the only that, problem uh, I can see with that, that is is supply and de- supply and demand is going to start kicking in and the prices are going to start going up because people can't find what they're looking for.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I actually yeah, I went in for an ironing board to Walmart yesterday, and there's supposed to be like three different de- types and. Uh, they only had one, and they only had one of that one. So I was like, I guess I'm getting that one. It's <laughs> like, yeah, very interesting. So
3: anyway. Yeah, I've
0: heard in the last uh, week
3: or so that even Amazon is starting to cancel theirs.
0: Well, Amazon Prime, Air, like Prime Airlines or whatever, they, the, the, the plane fleet they use to deliver their Prime packages, uh, they're like, basically grounding, I guess, the FedEx CEO basically said anticipating a winter of severe illness and death for his airline. <laughs> but all these other guys are all like, yeah, I think we're kind of, kind of screwed here. So even uh, Jamie diamond there, I guess the CEO of, uh, uh, Goldman Sachs, I think it is. He basically said, yeah, we're kind of been hurt right now. So, but I guess not according to any government you'll listen to, but anyway, uh, speaking of which, so over in Lebanon and Syria right now, People are being accused of robbing banks because they're going in there to demand their own money. Banks are saying no, so they're going back in armed and getting their own money out. So they're robbing banks for their own money.
1: That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That's that's kind of odd. Well, yeah, I guess
0: because the same thing in China is going right now. Right now, they have some bank runs happening, and they've got some, a financial tightening. And uh, so, if the banks release that money with the fractional reserve banking, they can't lend out more money so they want to keep whatever they can. And so they're trying to like do their best to drag their feet on giving people their own cash. And now people are starting to panic. And so, yeah, people are going in like, here's a gun. Here's my bank card. Give me my money. <laughs> <laughs> my, my name is Bill Smith, you know, whatever. And it's just like, <laughs> wow. Okay. That's really odd. But uh, yeah, no, I actually made, uh, uh, I guess other outside North America news, but it wasn't really making big news over here I just thought it was a very interesting take on, on people getting worried about leaving cash in the bank. Which leads us back to our precious metals episode and crypto episode, I'm sure.
2: So you're saying it's definitely not a good thing to get into banking in those countries nowadays?
0: Well, I wouldn't just do deposits and just call it a day. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so Greg says uh, Amazon just shut down the process of opening one of these facilities.
1: Actually, Uh, it's been more than one facility. I I, I was just going to jump in and mention that, that I'd heard it somewhere that... There was like 20 or 30 of them throughout the United States that they've uh, they've put a, a hold on. Yeah. Uh, they said they were going to build them, now they're stopping them, or...
2: I skimmed across uh, an article the same as that, probably the same one, that I didn't go, I didn't read everything into it, but yeah, they, they had said uh, 20-some facilities they were going to stop the, uh, the plans for and sell the land or something and, and get rid of it. They... They just stopped it. Huh.
0: Melissa mentions that they uh, they want to have expiry dates on the currency, which brings us to that CBDC idea where they want to have central bank digital currencies. And basically if you don't spend it by the end of the week, you lose it. And uh, they go on to be able to shut off and turn on your money and everything else. That's kind of what they're proposing for the future. I'm like,
2: that's definitely living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Try to keep that velocity of money going up. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, no, I'll pass on that. Uh, I'm sure Jeff will cover this a little more uh, later on, but uh, Tropical Storm Ian, I just had to say, like, I'm kind of cheering for it, but not cheering for it.
1: <laughs> oh, you're cheering <laughs> so, for it for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel bad because, like, you know, it's a tropical <laughs> storm, going to be a hurricane, but it, you know, kind of bears my name. So I'm like, go Ian. Yeah.
2: But <laughs> yes,
0: but the true question is is it actually going to show up? Is it? That's true. It might not, you know, give or take 50% chance. It might show up one week, might show up the other. Uh, That's pretty much all I had though.
2: (laughs) Might stall out Um, in the middle of the ocean.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So obviously um, it's no surprise to anybody around that um, Hurricane Fiona took a direct hit on uh, eastern Canada and did uh, some pretty catastrophic damage. Um I'll I'll speak on it more in my weather blurb. I just uh put a, a small um link to an article in there. There's hundreds of articles and it's it was uh it was really it, it was really bad down there. We've got um uh Darius helped me out but I was uh I was away a bit this weekend but uh we've got somebody on the discord who lives down there and was right in the middle of it and you know they they made a comment that they tried to walk down their driveway and they got to 50 trees across the driveway and they stopped and they weren't even at the end yet so it's uh it's it's really bad
0: yeah hughes had some good pictures up too about uh trees down in his area and you can see a lot of the power lines were like leaned right over so they're about to go and obviously you can't depend on the power supply from those things either and uh definitely been a big yeah effort. and somebody
1: somebody somebody posted a picture i seen and and as far as the eye could see it was just the telephone poles were laying down so they've got a they've got a a massive job ahead of them to get the infrastructure back up
3: and freya mentions that and uh, were are newfoundland
1: yeah like i say i'll i'll have more to say in my blurb about it but yeah
0: uh, Freya mentions that's why Ian had been missing so much. He's been working on a weather manipulation machine. Oh
1: yeah. It's called chemtrails, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. I can't tell you much <laughs> about that. It's just part of a Tell you whether I have to kill you thing. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I am the weather, weather manipulation man. machine. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh,
1: And the other article I threw in there, uh, sorry, there's just really quick. Um, some good news, maybe we'll see. We don't like to get into too much politics on this CPP. That's for the other one. But uh, looks like the Canadian government is finally going to lift most of the COVID border restrictions. You're not going to have to be vaccinated anymore. The Arrive Can app is going to become optional. Uh, but they just can't let it all go. If you get on a plane or get on a train in Canada you still got to wear that face diaper.
0: And um, I think we're like the last jurisdiction in the world that still does that.
1: We are. Yep. Yeah.
0: yeah. Is, isn't that all tomorrow starts like, uh,
1: uh, the 30th,
2: 30th, oh, the, 30th. Okay. the,
1: the, the, the order in council or, or whatever it was to put those restrictions in expires on the 30th and they're not going to renew it. So yeah,
0: apparently Sus- suspended well, for now. Oh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. There's, there's a, it's funny. There's a, a court case going on somebody's suing the government about that. And it's supposed to go to court this coming Wednesday and the government's saying, well, we're getting rid of it, so just scrap it. But the the guy who's the one kind of leading the lawsuit says, you're not getting rid of it. You're only simply suspending it. So if the courts stop it and then all of a sudden you decide a month later to bring it back, I got to start the process all over again. And I don't want to do that, so I'm not dropping it. And so, of course, now the government's wanting the judge to drop it. And so we'll have to see what happens.
3: And I threw one in there. Um, NASA has launched a social media campaign to allow people to help submit names for the new mission to launch a probe to Uranus. You it went about as well as you can imagine with the names that were submitted. <laughs> oh,
1: <No, laughs> like, that just that it, I, it's
3: like a dirty version of Bodie McBoatface, but he can only imagine where it would go with that. Oh, it's yeah. That and worse. No, yeah. no, 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 no,
1: no, 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 What's
3: wrong. You it's think that depressing. you know the, the people deal. who are launching Right? You'd think the people that were launching shuttles into space would know that that's not a good idea to submit to uh, social media to this hype. Yeah,
0: come up with like a, just your own name, just Zeus or something like that, or whatever. I even that would probably be mistaken for something. But anyway,
1: ah, uh,
0: I digress. Should we move on to what we've done lately for preps?
1: Before we got ourselves in trouble, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh,
2: I. Uh... Stocked up a little on rice today. It was a good deal on at Food Basics, so I grabbed a couple bags of that. Uh, my mudroom floor insulating job project continues. Um, organizing my basement for some winter projects and just room to do them. I replaced a, uh, a sump pump in the basement last weekend. That was a fun little job. And uh, a little bit of fuel rotation Other than that, work, 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 and a little bit of more work.
1: I uh, topped up my fuel stores, my gas and propane last week for a projected severe weather outbreak in our area that thankfully never occurred. Uh, So I'm already prepared for the next one.
0: So were you guys expecting thunderstorms or some sort of like spinoff from the, uh, the storm hit the East
1: Coast? No, it was a totally separate system. I mean everything was in place for it to be a very severe, like multiple tornado outbreak. The the humidity was there. The I mean, all the parameters were there. It just never sparked off. And which is a good thing. I mean, they, they literally on the, the weather people that I follow had basically from about uh, Godrich north and west out, the other side of Peterborough basically said you're you're in a good chance of getting some pretty wicked weather, including tornadoes. And like I said, it just – all the parameters were there. Um, it, just, it, it just didn't spark off for some reason, which is good.
0: Yeah, I think you guys have had enough this, this uh, summer so far.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think we're done, but
0: – Which is interesting because we're already past the first day of fall, so I'd like this to officially end, right? Something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, as for myself, uh, handily enough, we were doing a pantry inventory today and actually the last few days, so uh, kind of running stuff around and, and reorging everything, which is quite timely for the episode. I uh, forgot to mention that I picked up some surplus boots last week because my army surplus store finally reopened, which was good. Uh, Brad just reminded me, I think, of uh, window insulation. We have uh, a sunroom that's kind of no longer a sunroom type of thing, so we decided to insulate some windows and... Uh, yeah, in, in anticipation of basically changing them out and changing the outside of the house and all that stuff next year. Uh, did a propane top up just to make sure we're all topped up for the winter. Uh, that's our backup heating and our, our backup cooking and primary cooking too. Uh, let's see here, did another Jenny run uh, just to get it serviced up for the fall. Uh, all the exposed metals on like hot exhaust things and the splitter and everything else that all got uh, rusted up over the summer. I decided to paint all those up, make sure they're good for the heavy rain season. And then uh, took a bunch of tarps, covered up all the wood piles, and little office setup. So I'm just into my new office here, like as of last week. So I uh, started setting up the reloading press and kind of getting stuff kind of reorged here. I just kind of piled it in there last week. And when I have a chance, I just kind of get to it and kind of get a little more utilitarian setup. But, anyways, slow progress. That's about it for me,
3: Darius. And uh, about the only thing I did besides working nonstop all weekend is I went in and had the chance to sight in my rifle this past week. So went down to a range and put about 40 rounds through that and everything's working perfectly. Right on. That was a
0: 308, right? Good.
3: Yes. Right on. Cool.
0: All right. I guess uh, time to move on to the main topic here. So uh, why are we talking pantry rotation? Um, well, first of all, I guess buying in bulk saves you money. So uh, hopefully, we all, when you see those sales on rice and stuff, we grab them when we can, and you know, we end up with piles of rice, and we got to figure out how to uh, make sure we don't waste any of it. <laughs> so because I don't know what you guys, but you know, before I started getting organized with this stuff, I, I was getting to the point where I had like you know ten bags of rice, and I was eating the newest one first, and then there's a like, one that had been sitting there for seven years, and I was like, oh yeah, now it's all kind of manky and gross. I don't want to touch it anyway. And I mean, how many people have that? can of cream corn sitting in the back of their pantry that they haven't touched since they moved in and everything else too, right?
2: Yeah, got a couple of those. <laughs> Who eats <laughs> cream
0: corn, really? Shepherd's pie, buddy. Seriously, I don't.
2: Shepherd's?
0: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Shepherd's pie actually would kind of be a natural for it, wouldn't it? I have a traumatic childhood experience one of my neighbors used to have us over for Grey Cup Sundays type of thing. And uh, one of the, the side dishes was always cream corn. Like It was like clockwork. And they like felt that everybody needed their own personal can of it. So it was like kind of <sighs> heaped on your plate, and you are like... Oh. After oh. a while, so yeah. Oh. If my dad's laughing, or if my dad's watching, he's probably laughing right now, because he knows exactly what I'm talking about, but <laughs> 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 Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, so face? yeah, pretty much. Uh, so <laughs> two schools of thought on this, uh, I guess, you know, you watch the old movies, like, uh, what is it, Battle of the Bulge, and everything else, and they're like, let's hit the supply dump, that stops them tra- cold in their tracks, type of thing, right? So a lot of people are really hesitant to put all their stuff in one space. Um, you know, like so they have like fifteen cans of peanut butter in one place versus the usual prepper technique of scrolling a you know a jar of peanut butter underneath the couch and one in the in the, the shed outside and one buried in the backyard and everything else. But the problem is it's easy to lose track of stuff that way. Um, plus if somebody were to break in or seize your stuff or whatever, it's easier for them to take it all. If it's in the supply dump.
2: Wait, you, you bury peanut butter? Shh.
0: Metal detectors can't find it.
3: Duh, very true. Very true. My dog, girls sure can.
0: Yeah, I, was gonna say, <laughs> I, I think my dog would have that dug up in the first, of, first of all, I'd have to have soil on my property, which I don't, it's just rock pile. So, uh, I didn't, yeah, then of course the dog would you know dig it up in a heartbeat and be like, Thanks, dude, that was awesome. Um. Yeah, so like that's the problem is like right guys, because I don't know what you guys when I first started prepping, I would have like a you know a box of twenty two in the in the you know the underneath the carpet and one over there in the, the paper shredder and everything else and before you know it you got you don't realize that you have like never enough twenty two, I'm saying like you have lots of twenty two you don't realize it too, right? So it's always nice to kind of keep track of that stuff. Can you really have too much twenty two?
2: Probably not.
0: Nah. Anyway. So what i'm trying to do is avoid excessive duplication and uh or just you know how she helps you realize that you maybe not don't have enough of some supplies like uh during covid there i think uh, we were talking about when covid first hit and now we were doing the, the toilet paper panic runs and stuff we're talking about all that stuff and uh, i realized that at the time my wife was away she was on a trip when covid hit there and i uh, only had one jar of peanut butter in the entire house and i was like I don't think I can get through the apocalypse on one jar of peanut butter. So, <laughs> could, but I thought we had lots, right? So I, I went to the closet. And I was like, do, 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 do. And I can kind of open it up. And I was like, oh, this is, this alone warrants like a trip to Costco. And since I have mentioned peanut butter twice in the last five minutes, you know, it's a thing, right? Hmm. Sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so. And, uh, and, and, and that's where tracking it a little bit, I guess. And, you know, just having a, piece of paper somewhere or something and knowing how much inventory you have is, it ke- takes a bit of the guesswork out of, I mean, if you've yeah. squirreled a bunch of ways somewhere, maybe you lose track, but.
0: Well, that's the problem too. Is like, you can't have a pantry rotation without some sort of inventory list, right? Because uh, my brain's not that good. And, you know, trying to remember all those, those little hidey, hidey holes for the peanut butter is is a problem, right? So now we ran, but up against the other prepper, mindset of opsec right so you it'd be great to have a, a pantry inventory on google docs and the accessible from your iphone and your laptop and everything else by same token you're basically just giving a copy to bill gates and and crew <laughs> sony do that so like uh, so, some guys want to have a you know, pen and paper version like hidden away and you know taped on the underside of the desk or something and other people want to have it like you know digital for ease of access but so you have to kind of balance the opsec versus the uh, the amount of labor it takes to do the paper one when you have to keep changing it and the accuracy. You know, a lot of times you'll forget to erase it or add to it or whatever. So um, inventory becomes I think key more than anything else if you want to p- rotate your stuff accurately. Because you guys go to the grocery store and you see those Campbell soup can things where they have like the racks and they kind of slide down and you put the you know the newest on top and then you, you grab the the oldest off the bottom and stuff. And yep, it's great for when you're. In a grocery store and selling the stuff, and it would also be great if you had those in your thing. But I don't think they even sell those soup racks, do they?
2: I don't know, but I'd like to get some. I'm sure, but yeah. I never would fairly never sure even with, the with the way through. the world
3: works. Fairly sure Amazon. with the way the world works for three D printing. Now you could probably find them pretty quick.
0: That's true. Hey, or AliExpress, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I'm sure, but because I mean that would be a way to do it for sure. I mean, but of course it's extra cost, but. Um, yeah so if you're going to pack away stuff in, in totes like go to Costco and get those big black and yellow totes and if they all look the same and you really don't know what's in them just, yeah but <laughs> you just start throwing stuff in them but everything, <laughs> everything from like you know plate carriers to freaking uh, you know like itchy band noodles like you want it would be nice to know what's in each tote rather than having to open it up each time yep. and gas it's like Christmas right so um, I guess as part of the rotation you should probably have a, a designator of some sort on your tote whether it's just a number color code whatever works for you. Safe word, you know, if you want to do that. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I've got to have everyone designated, just link it to a contents list so you can uh, update it more, a little more easily. If like, if you add an extra AT band noodle or handmade whip or whatever, just to your, your totes, so you got to make sure you keep all that stuff up to date. Told you i slip that in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. What's that? Oh, oh. Miss it, anyways. Uh, date of packing should be on the mylar. So if you uh, if you do wrap stuff in mylar, whether it be pasta or rice or whatever, like you want to make sure you you put the date you actually put it in there, and so you have an idea of how long it's been sitting there uh, and what's in it. Or uh, if you're gonna do a, like a pre-canned stuff like Campbell's soup, you want to have it kind of organized by date of expiry. So the whole idea being is that you want to eat the oldest first and put the newest towards the back or something, right? Yeah,
1: and you know? if you're if you're packing your stuff in mylar. Um, do it in a in a size that you would be able to consume in a few days as opposed to like a week i mean opening a a big 10 pound bag of rice and before you could eat it it it's no good anymore it starts to to go rancid or or anything like that put them into smaller bags and then you know you open it up it's gone in a few days and you, you like you say eliminate the waste
0: well, yeah, because, I mean, like, uh, Bryden sells his one-gallon ones, right? Sorry, go ahead, Darius. Yeah.
3: I said, unless you're Ian, and then that 10-pound bag of rice is gone in a week. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's my
0: family's go-to, right? So, the uh, yeah, like, I like to put everything in one-gallon things, like Jeff says, because if you open up the 10-gallon the Mylar, all that rice starts going bad at the same time, or pasta, or whatever. Um, but if you have the one-gallon at a time, it's, like, less to start that rotting process down and uh yeah it's just easy to move stuff around too but some smaller packages so when you get old and crinkly like me it's like easier to lift and uh yeah easier to store and organize too especially if you're putting it under the carpet it's like smaller package <laughs> less lumpy that way
1: <laughs> right so it- so out of the uh the live chat there and a question for melissa she says freeze your rice first it kills any of the potential bugs do you keep it frozen or do you then Unthought, put it into a Mylar bag and seal it.
0: Well, it's two schools of thought. So whether it's, especially with flour and pastas, especially if they come from overseas, uh, obviously the weevils are a problem. So you freeze it for up to three weeks to kill all the eggs and all the active bugs. If there is any, then it's fine. It's good to go. Um, yep. the, the other theory being that you put a oxygen absorber in there and any hey, bugs, no matter how small, still need some sort of oxygen. So if there's no air in there, they're not going to breed and, and reproduce and everything else uh in the mylar but if you
1: but if you let it unthaw does that moisture not then cause problems or
0: yeah you can't just pull the weed out of the freezer and immediately throw it in mylar and everything else you like come back up to temperature it's kind of like when you go hunting with your rifle or your bow when you come back in it's covered with condensation you don't just shove it in a rifle sock and throw it in the closet right you gotta let it kind of come back up to temperature before you same idea okay um yeah, Melissa also points out uh, that people would wrap stuff individually, measure out up for what they consume in a meal. Uh, we do that with a lot of the pre, pre-made stuff for the freezer and stuff. Uh, generally, I do like, you know, like kind of a week's worth or whatever, in that one gallon package. Maybe it's a couple weeks, whatever, but it's just like smaller usages, uh, certainly more utilitarian, I think, than, than a large bag. And uh, she says that she keep, that keeps the flour in the freezer and takes it what we need. But that works too. I mean, it's also going to degrade less especially if it's got uh if it's got the husk still in there if it's not like pure white flour if it's if it's the brown flour it's going to have stuff that's going to go rancid yeah yeah
4: now we just we'll have freezer and we just throw everything in and take it out as we need fill up a small container let it unthaw and carry on especially if it's yeah. not something that you're going to pack away for long-term storage uh, i wouldn't find it worth it's while uh, worth the while to put that in mylar bags and five gallon pails just to be used up you know, within the year, you know, let's use those for long, long storage preps. But uh, yeah, so we just keep a you know the open bags in the freezer to take care of itself, keeps it fresh.
0: Yeah, I guess okay. the same thing. The idea is the wheat berries before the ground would last longer than the ground wheat too. But same idea. She also mentions to soak your rice too uh, before you cooking. Hundred percent agree. You gotta get that little starch bit off. So you kind of rinse it a couple times, get that that white hot dog yeah. water off there, and then then you cook it properly. White hot dog water. Oh, <laughs> that's basically what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, but anyway, that's that's mostly the uh, the glutinous rice business that comes off of it. So actually, it's less sticky if you rinse that stuff off too, which so is kind of nice. No, yeah. but anyway, uh, back to the uh, pantry rotation. So obviously, some tools that are going to help you complete the task. Uh, shelves. So, Costco item one six zero zero two zero five. For all those uh, the Costco people, um, yeah, it's relatively cheap shelving units out there that can hold up to a thousand pounds per shelf. Uh, we the, the running joke in the family here is the wife's figures that if it's got a cubic meter of space or you know whatever much cubic space there is, doesn't matter what you're packing, whether it's uranium, depleted uranium or feathers, it's like as long as you can fill it, it's good to go. So uh, we like to get the the high strength stuff so it doesn't like create some sort of like over stress situation and come tumbling down. So um this shelving that i put the number for it's really good so a thousand pounds per shelf times five and uh it's 150 bucks now it used to be 100 and 105 or something but of course inflation that doesn't exist um yeah so if you kind of get a couple of those going it's it's a nice thing to help Uh, i would put little racks up along the back and the sides to make sure that when you start pushing the cans into the to the excess don't go spilling out the sides of the back um ask me how i know (laughs)
2: how do you
0: know? Well, remember when we were talking about wastage? Because yeah, that's a problem. Especially when you have like glass jars and they're like above the bottom layer and you start pushing shit <sighs> in until it goes off the back and Yeah. Yeah. And of course the stuff in the back is the newest, so that's always the best ones to spill onto the ground, right?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's it's Ooh, fantastic. They haven't aged yet. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well it means they stink less when they hit the ground at least. Yeah. Right.
2: True. Yes.
0: Anyway, so if you're going to shove stuff on shelves uh, as part of your rotation, you should have like the same convention used for each thing is like which one to use first. What's the the front left can is what I'm going to use first and you know, kind of work my way to the right, then back lay it one layer and starting left to right or whatever. However you want to do it, up, down, sideways, I don't care. But like just have use the same process each time so everybody knows which one to use first. That way, you know, the, the spouse doesn't grab the maple syrup that you bought last week versus the one from six years ago. Which still lasts forever anyways, doesn't it? Yeah, um, similar to honey. Yeah, pretty much. Absolutely. Um, The other thing, too, is if you want to organize it by either types of food, whether it's like all your starches here or uh, specific meals, like this is all your breakfast stuff, all your lunch stuff, whatever, all your oils, whatever, Um, just so it's kind of an easy access thing if you're going to put it all in one place and not hide it under the carpet. Um, And the other thing, ask me how I know again, uh, lightest stuff on the top, heaviest stuff on the bottom for CFG purposes. You know, you got the center of gravity is, is a thing. And we do live in earthquake country where we are here, so we don't want to have the glass up on the top shelf and, you know, yeah. have have hilarity ensue when we get like a very minor tremor still. And um, yeah, like so, yeah, feathers on top, bricks on the bottom, good to go. won't we'll
2: move. <laughs> so, yeah, basically. I also had, uh, I was looking up some other um, organizing stuff, and somebody had put a shelf system in that they had all of their non liquid stuff on top liquid stuff on the bottom in that liquid organization, all the cleaning chemicals on the bottom of the liquid. Like if you had four shelves, yeah. your two bottom is all liquid. The bottom bottom is cleaning supplies. The upper of the, the lower shelves is food supplies. So nothing chemical would spill onto edibles. I thought that no. was pretty good.
0: Yeah, yep. no, that makes sense.
1: Absolutely, yep.
0: Uh, let us get a couple comments again. Uh, Home Depot wood and brackets, they look amazing. Yeah, uh, Fun fact, when I lived in Barrie there, the first uh, shelving unit I made was of excess fence boards, and of course, the it was great for the size to keep stuff from spilling off the edges, but the middle of that that bracket looked like a swayback horse. It was it wasn't really thick. <laughs> nah, foot, so. I'll
4: I'll send you a picture of what she's talking about afterwards. Um, <laughs> okay. We we have them. No, well we have them in our basement and all across the house. So yeah, we buy those. Um, what are they like? I think they're pine eight boards? by ten. Yeah, they're just the pine boards. They're twelve inch pine boards and the eight yeah. by ten brackets, and put them in each stud. You can moderate the height of them. Uh, and then we've got nice boxes that cans fit in nicely like parts boxes like you'd find or whatever just for our day-to-day stuff and uh, yeah no they look good they everything stays clean you know compared to if you don't have the room to get you know a, a nice eight foot shelf in there you can make your own little you know two three foot shelf on a wall you know five four five up fairly cheap little you need to be have a few tools but nothing crazy to to make they'll uh they'll get you by for sure
0: yeah, I think if you don't break your chop saw uh, doing lumber and, uh, and you have a cordless drill, you can probably uh, clap those together <laughs> fairly fast.
1: Oh, yeah. Especially if you have spare yeah. wood around,
0: right? Like if you have, uh, a lot of times you can pick up the spare wood uh, from construction sites that, not the fresh stuff, but the stuff they're done with.
2: Dumpster diving!
3: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Or if you go to any of the um, supply shops that have the uh, 10,000 pallets that they're just willing to give you as many as you're willing to take, strip those down, paint them, or sand them, and paint them yeah the you roofing know, that's lots of free wood yeah the F- roofing guy find
2: those in ottawa find those in ottawa an area right now is impossible there are so many people collecting them to yep. take them apart and use as kindling or to make furniture out of them or there's a huge industry now in returning them some of these guys get five six bucks a pallet and they fold their five tons full of them make a couple hundred bucks in a day plus your regular day job
3: yeah. Man, wow. I wish we had that up here where I'm at right now. They can't get rid of them fast enough. There's, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of every warehouse on the street. Sounds
0: yeah. like did that Seinfeld pop bottle return trick, you know, where they cross state lines. And yeah, but uh, yeah. same thing here, like the roofing supply uh, guy can't get rid of them fast enough. And so, yeah, whenever I get a chance I'm driving by, it's like I just grab a couple on the way home or whatever. But yeah, over in Europe, I mean, same thing. They're using those, planning to heat their houses with them because they got no no gas coming in, so that's a thing. Um, Melissa also mentions that uh, you can buy the, oh, that's the wrong one. Mark the date of uh, purchase on the items uh, helps as well. Yes and no. Uh, I'm going to disagree with Melissa for a second. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, it doesn't really matter for me when I buy them. It just matters to me either when they expire or when I pack them, I guess, because, uh, you know, if you bought them a week before expiring or a year before expiring, it really doesn't matter. But at least I think expiry is kind of a nice, consistent use-by date or whatever, like, that you can kind of work around. But data purchases adds work for me. I don't know. My, my wife does that. She actually does the – she marks the date of when we open something to see when we actually use it up and then see how long it takes us to go through jar, and that has how we figured our yearly usage. So, like – you know, whether it be like the laundry soap or whatever. And you know, it's, it's easy to figure out your yearly usage if you figure out how long it takes to go through one. Uh, but that's
1: yeah, the my, I- my, my mom used to do that with our can stuff. She would write, she would write the best before date or whatever you want to call it. would write that on the top and you know, it's a quick look at it. You could see it, see the date or oh, oh, wait a minute. That, that the best before is like a week away. We better use that up. And you know, I mean, absolutely. There's, if you've, uh, made your own mylar bags or whatever absolutely there's no problem with saying it was packed on this day or whatever but yeah i i i found that quite convenient
2: Mm -hmm. uh
0: pierre help me with this one uh says uh, she also mentions you can buy the brakes that you add to the towel rack and you can hang them hang things from this as well i think brackets oh okay
4: yeah brackets is what she means i got you
0: yeah there you go (laughs) makes more sense yes cool uh let's see here what else we got uh other tools you're gonna need uh, that besides shelving. you need the totes and a means of labeling so uh people with labor makers you know rejoice i guess um i personally don't have a label maker that i use generally because those label cartridges are like stupid expensive um yeah. so yeah green green masking tape from my leftover painting jobs and a sharpie marker so I can rip it off. It's not like same with with you rotating the gas or marking totes or something just so you can rip it off and and change it up if need be or whatever. I just find it's easier to do it that way.
2: My label maker is my wife.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully she's not with an earshot, is she?
2: Yep. She's in the next one. Okay.
0: (laughs) Bold move, Cotton. We'll see how that works out.
3: Brad may or may not be here. I go with what you are about to say the first time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, but anyway, I go yeah, with course, what course. you were about to say the first time. It's the uh, black totes with the uh, green duct tape and a uh, black sharpie. Yep.
0: Anyway, uh, see here, small step stool. So for the vertically challenged among us, <laughs> um, yeah, small step stool uh, to get up those upper shells So you don't like kind of reach and pull and, and bring what three things down with you. So even if it's just like a foot or you know whatever, just something to get a little bit extra kind of reach around for lack of a better term <laughs> and then you can uh reach stuff towards the, the back of the shelves with maybe if you're putting stuff away in the back uh just to help prevent that wastage again right yep all right uh, yes i mentioned sir, yes sir i mentioned the overfill rails on the side uh on the and the back especially like we've got one of ours up against the window so of course yeah if it goes on the back it kind of hits the window too which even makes it worse and other of that, uh, I guess the effort to keep the inventory up and the uh, the correction uh, process going. Often, I, we do it twice a year ourselves. But uh, since I'm about to become an absentee husband and father, I thought I'd just get it done before I left. And uh, yeah, so yeah, keep up with that. I guess I should just stay on top of things. That's pretty much all I had for pantry rotation. Anybody else? <laughs>
2: I think no, those are I all good things. Go ahead, Jeff.
1: Yeah, no, I was going to say I don't really have anything to add. If anybody in the live chat's got anything that they think we've missed, or or um, have any other ideas, let us know.
2: Definitely, yeah. all good ideas. I uh, I got plenty of supplies here. Just they're not all organized, and they're not all in one spot. And like Ian, you were saying just this week you were starting to organize well that's been something when when we were talking about this about doing this episode this topic I've been kicking myself in the pants for the last I don't know year or so of getting into my stock room and organizing everything so this is one that I'm going to go back and look at all these show notes again and again and again and like I said I've got uh, a couple of other articles and ideas written down and see what I can't come up with. So this was, this was educational to me as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, everybody's got their own way of doing things. Uh, like even for like nuts and bolts and stuff out in the shed, I try and keep like the same size of package. So like peanut butter jars or whatever, see peanut butter again. But, uh, you know, if you got some way to keep like a uniform container, so it's easier to stack or, um, you know, easier to, I guess, to, you know, keep a level surface going if you're going to stack it too high or whatever. Um, yeah, anything helps. Whether you're using the same storage units or just the same conventions or something, it just it'll all help over time. So,
2: we were talking earlier about those uh, uh, soup can organizers. Yeah, Greg threw up into uh, the other chat there of uh, a link on Amazon, but it's a U.S. site, so I found it on the Canadian site. There's a couple of different. Options, well, quite a few different options there. Nothing over fifty dollars for holding, say, eighteen to forty-eight cans. Soda no. can organizers and different racks and over the over the door racks and whatnot on Amazon for Canadian site. Thought hmm. that was
0: pretty I good. The problem with the can can rotation system is I just end up drinking more cans of whatever, so that's that's a problem. I'm trying to avoid that. <laughs> There you you uh
2: self-contending
0: on the depending on the can you have um,
4: they might fit in those um, but also a thing we've noticed is um, you know we've gone out way before the the COVID's, you know said okay let's go get some stuff and you just walk around and you're like oh that's a good deal that's a good deal and then you pick up all these supplies and everything and then you get home and a year later you realize you haven't touched you know 20 of the 60 cans you bought because you're like yeah, it was a good deal, but I was like, it was kind of a waste. So, you know, if you go out, you know, try and make sure it's going to be stuff you eat. Like, you know, I, we have a nine-year-old daughter that's almost 10. So, I mean, she loves peaches. So you buy a bunch of peaches and then two days later, they don't like peaches anymore. So, you know, keep that in mind on your preps. That, uh, you know, make sure it's going to be stuff you actually uh, will eat. And you can throw into your regular rotations to consume. So it's not just sitting there for years and years and years.
0: Well, so far we've uh, discovered that we vastly overestimated the amount of tuna and uh, Libby's or Heinz beans that we eat because, <laughs> you know, it's like they keep yeah. multiplying in the closet because, you know, every time there's a sale on tuna or, or, or brown beans that, yeah, yeah, we grab yeah. a case, but then we're, our yeah. consumption is almost nothing. So it's like, okay, I think we to this tone that the F down because, yeah. especially tuna, like I thought that'd be something we use more of now.
4: So what, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, well, I don't eat it. My daughter doesn't really like it. The wife likes it, but I mean, the two dogs just love it, right? Like you crack a can of that, and the two dogs in there are there just drooling. So, you know, we've we've been adding them to the the food. Like, hey, we got to get rid of food. So it's like, you know, give it to the dogs, you know, you oh, got yeah. some rice to cook and everything. So yeah, we give it to the dogs, right? Like, uh, so we add, add a bunch of stuff that they'll eat. Like we go to the dollar store and they'll have like a liver pate, which... You know, not for me, but I'm like...
2: I should not like go cans. to the dogs. It should come to me.
4: No, yeah, but well, buy two with- of those cans.
0: And I can feed my dogs at least one day with a bunch of rice, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's say that we did the same thing with mackerel, because once in a while the wife gets a hankering for some canned mackerel or whatever. But yeah, the dogs love it. And um, yeah, like stuff from the dollar store, it's amazing. We actually, actually fed the dogs uh, some expired, not expired, but... We'd canned some bear meat from the bear I tagged a few years ago, and it was like, you know, it been a few years in the can. I was like, I don't want to throw it away, but I don't want to eat it anymore at this point. So I was like, <laughs> dogs loved it. Anyway. No, so yeah. didn't for... It was useful. It was useful. Yeah. So uh, Aqua yeah. so Run Girl has a question. She says, how do you feel about dehydrating food? Well, it's <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> well, you, you're I think you're the only person that's done it, right? Because I haven't touched one myself
4: yeah i mean we we've dabbled in it you know myself and mel um we don't have a crazy amount of experience um like i was saying prior to the show we ended up with two of them instead of one we had to pay for both but i mean whatever we said we'll figure it out so we've just kind of been reading up on it and uh, tried it out one year um just you know hey, put a bunch of blueberries raspberries we did carrots we did celery a bunch bunch of stuff and we kind of just put it in containers and put it on the shelf for I would say it was a good nine months to a year um barely went bad still had flavor um so we got rid of it and you know so now now we're gonna bust it back out but uh, so we don't like doing it a lot in the winter uh one of the big reasons is it's a dehydrator so it applies a bunch of heat we don't have ac in the house so I mean when it's 30 degrees out and we've got like two dehydrators going Makes the house like roast like there's no tomorrow. So now that fall weather's getting here, uh, yeah, if we're gonna try try that back up, and maybe we'll uh, spread the uh, the good the good news and the bad news that we've had uh, dabbling with that. But uh, it's a it's pretty cool what you can do with it.
0: I think if you like, we we tried uh, just dehydrating some um, uh, local berries and stuff, mm-hmm. and then you know then vacuum sealing them afterwards, and they lasted a couple of years that way. Because, yeah. of course, take the moisture out and hopefully oh, yeah, it'll you know, last forever. But like freeze-dried would be the ultimate, of course. But like dehydrating is still – it's a good thing, if, especially if you have to make it portable. Um, yeah. But sometimes some of the stuff, it, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, Like depending on what you're dehydrating, right? Like dehydrating yeah. brass, 100% love doing it all the time. But it uh, <laughs> saves me a lot of work. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, I think the wife, she's got an Excalibur, is that – the, the brand Dehydrator, but yeah. I've never, never touched one myself.
4: Um, yeah, no, they're, it's a pretty cool, it's a different process. I mean, yeah, freeze drying, I would love to get one, but I mean, those things are crazy expensive and all that stuff, but uh dehydrator, you can buy different level ones, like just the beginner one. You might not be able to like industrialize yourself and, you know, do whatever with it, but I don't know, it's not a bad option. We, we didn't mind it. It's good for little desserts and baking. You know put some raspberry powder in but it's fresh raspberries you dehydrated yourself it's pretty good we did that with pancakes and all that stuff so that's on, really good on average
1: for, Pierre how long would it take to say dehydrate a couple of trays of sliced up tomatoes what are you looking at a uh, an hour a um,
4: couple of hours? no uh, five to eight hours I think it is for tomatoes okay right so it all depends on the water content because you're trying to get rid of the water and it only goes so much so it's all temperature regulated dependent on fruits veggies uh, and your meat right because you can dehydrate meat so you can make your own jerky as well and all that stuff so yeah it all fluctuates on like you know and then if you if they recommend having an eighth of an inch tomato slice and you put a quarter well your dehydrate time is going to go up at that point because of the water content right so like the, it's it's a little complicated and you know, we, we did some screw ups and stuff like that, but like, yeah, it's just time consuming and a learning curve. And I mean, at the end of the day, if you buy all your veggies or your good fruits in the winter or in the summer, sorry, you know, when you can buy two packs of raspberries for like $3, but your raspberries are like $8 in the winter. You know, if you buy that and you've got a space where you don't mind extra heat going, you can do all that. And then you can still have nice uh, semi sort of fresh fruit, over the winter,
2: okay,
1: good.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. She says you can make your own spices with that, as well as probably your own tea. If you had some dehydrated mint or something, you could uh, make your own no. teas of sort. That's cool. Nice little scroll moment for us there. Uh, I guess that's pretty much it. So I guess podcast challenge time. Uh, I guess I'll just handle that one. Uh, start a rotation or organization system or inventory of your supplies. Uh, figure out what works for you to keep uh, track of your stock saves you money saves you time and maybe saves your uh, skin in case of something going sideways to make sure you know what you have so start uh, an inventory system that's your podcast challenge your weather blurb jeff
1: sure so um as i uh, mentioned before uh, hurricane fiona hit eastern canada with uh, pretty catastrophic results it was the strongest uh, in terms of low pressure storm in canadian history uh, better than Juan and Dorian and and those. It was uh, it had a lower pressure, which the lower the pressure, the stronger the storm. Um, more than four hundred and fifteen thousand Nova Scotia customers, or about eighty percent of the province, uh, was out of power at any given time. Uh, Prince Edward Island basically was their their grid was more or less knocked out for the whole province. Uh, They were down at about 95% without power, and there's still uh, quite a lot without power. Uh, New Brunswick had 44,000 people also without power. Uh, Port-au-Basque, Newfoundland was uh, the hardest hit uh, area. Uh, The town is on the southwest tip of uh, Newfoundland. Uh, Just over 4,000 residents. More than 20 homes were destroyed. Uh, The cost of the damage is going to be obviously in the millions. Uh, Sadly, a 73-year-old woman who decided, who lived very close to the ocean and decided not to evacuate, uh, was washed away uh, with her house and her body was located in the sea. Um, All I'm going to say to that, folks, is You got, you know, I feel obviously very bad for her and her family and whatever, but she had no reason to be there. You're that close to the water. You've got a historic storm coming. Put your pride in your back pocket and get out of Dodge. Um, You know, don't put yourself in that spot. And then you're, you're putting the first responders in a spot of potentially wanting them to come and rescue you. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel bad. Like I said, Terrible for her and her family, but it should have never happened, and she shouldn't have been there. So
0: even uh, even recovery efforts are going to put guys at risk, right? If they're going to have to go out in a in a, a powerboat during like forty foot waves just to go recover a seventy three year old body, that'd be I'd be kind of pissed off as a first responder. So it's like totally unnecessary, right? And uh, yeah, sad but unnecessary, like
1: you said. Yeah, I've I've I I've said for a long time, um, if your actions um cause a first responder or whatever to get injured, killed, or come after you. or uh, that that they should be coming after you. You know, you should be paid first of all, you should be paying the recovery bill. If that if it costs a hundred thousand dollars to put that helicopter in the air to go and rescue you, you should be paying for that. You had a chance to to get yourself out of danger and you didn't do it. Um, so anyways, I, I'm not going to go anymore. I'll go on a rant and I'll get us kicked off. So <laughs> Um I can't be the as, only one to these things. Yeah. As uh, uh, no, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was gonna say PortaBasque, isn't that where the ferry from uh, Nova Scotia lands as well?
1: Yes, yep, it is. And apparently the, the dock is gone.
0: So that my next question was what's Newfoundland gonna do for supply trucks?
2: Uh well there's there's three different um three different docks yep. that the ferries can pull into. So Porto Basque uh, isn't the only one.
0: Oh good, okay.
4: Puerto Basque is the shortest one though, right?
2: Yeah, it's the closest but, one to yeah. uh to the mainland.
4: But with winter coming, aren't aren't the other ones shut down in the winter? Cuz I remember going to Newfoundland a long time ago and the only one we could take cuz it was winter and everything was I think Portobask. I didn't you can go out to like the one right by St. John's or whatever that was only open during the summer. I don't know if that's changed. But I mean we're also talking like 13, 14 years ago.
2: Well, and, and we're also talking, this is, like Jeff said, a historic storm. I can see them keeping those lanes open to make sure that supplies keep coming in yep. to the
1: island. Yep. So, yep. That, like, that's, like uh, I, no, sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. No, I was just going to say, like, they, they, they said there was, again, like like the catastrophic damage. There was catastrophic damage to the, the port. I mean, uh, a bunch of these uh, – I'm not sure. It's it's in the article. Um and I should have I should have put it in the blur, but it's in the article link that I put in. I believe well no, yeah, it says more than twenty homes were destroyed. Um several of them, the the erosion of the shoreline was so bad that they 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 just dropped into the sea. So I mean we're we're talking 20, oh. 30, 40 feet of erosion from the shoreline, if not more. Well, oh.
0: Yeah, that, that's pretty extreme. So, and yeah, well, we heard from you, so we know he's okay, but uh, yeah, I'm sure he's uh, he's a busy boy right now,
1: doing oh, yeah. recovery
0: efforts and stuff, so. yeah, yep. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so yeah, that's quite the historic storm for sure.
1: And as you mentioned, uh, Ian, your namesake uh, is uh, right now churning in the Central Caribbean, and it's expected to uh, peak out at a Cat 4 hurricane. Uh, within probably the next four to five days, the anticipated landfall is going to be in the panhandle of Florida, somewhere up in the the northern part. But it's gonna it's gonna skirt the west end of Cuba, and and come around. Um, at at this point, there's still a little bit of uncertainty as to how much rain and whatever. But uh, probably most of the west side of the state is is going to be. Uh, predominantly affected by it. And uh, it's funny that while Canada waits until after the storm to declare states of emergency and they said today that uh, I believe it was Prince Edward Island um, asked for help from our military. You knew this was coming. Why didn't they do that ahead of time and have the boots on the ground or at least have the boots ready to go? Florida has already put out a state of emergency and the governor's declaration frees up emergency protective funding and activates members of the national guard. Why didn't we do that?
0: Yeah. There's that's for the other CPP, I think. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, but the interesting thing is too. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, once again, you saw articles of people like, you know, do the last minute panic grab, which they do in Florida too. I know, but, I mean, like still yeah. after after COVID and everything else, like and they had plenty of days of notice and sure of like the storm six hours out. These people are still shopping at, at the grocery store for a last minute food. I'm like, really? Like, yep. Uh, don't get it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've thrown a link in there for Mackey Weather. Um, it's got the projected storm track and the timing and all that stuff on it. So uh, have a look at it. And if you're down that way or anywhere in that that area, I'm sure it's. You know, I mean, that's where it's going to hit, make landfall. But it's just going to keep going up the uh, up the coast. If you're in Georgia or, or maybe even into the Carolinas, you're probably going to get something out of it. So, um, you know, be aware of that if you're in that area. Just because it may be a tropical storm when it hits you, doesn't mean there's not going to be damage.
0: Well, hopefully, that means Greg's driving to his bug out location right now. <laughs> so. All right, any uh, shouts? Anyone?
1: Yeah. I'm going to shout out to um, to Darius. He's on here, but um, with this whole storm thing going on, and of course, weather's my big thing. And I ended up having a conference this weekend and I was more or less out of the loop for two days. And, you know, Darius kind of jumped in on the discord and was reaching out to people and talking to them back and forth. And, you know, that's that's what we need to do here as a community is work together and and be there to help each other out. So, uh so I I appreciated him uh, kind of grabbing the ball and running with it.
0: Right on. I got one for the island mentor as well here. Uh, uh, yeah, the guy's pretty much taught me about ninety percent of what I know here on the island. So um, yeah, he had unfortunately had a bit of an industrial accident yesterday and uh, damaged his hand. So hopefully uh, he's healing up fast. Anyway.
1: Oh, not not good. No, no, not good
0: at all. So anyway, uh, let's see here. Deal of the week. Yes, so if
4: you are up for trying out uh, grinding your own meat and making your own pepperettes and sausages, they got a meat grinder at Cabela's for 30% off, I think it is. Yeah, 30% off. Um, it's a not a great heavy-duty one. Um, I personally have this one. I've done lots of ground deer and everything with it. It's a good little thing, at least to try it out, see if it's something you want, and then maybe you can... Look at the spending a lot more than seventy dollars for a heavy duty industrial one, but uh, it's a good start. I've got no complaints with it. Just take your time; it's fun.
0: Yeah, I think uh, just just like lenders and stuff, you know, you can all, never have a big enough one. But I think if you're gonna try and yeah, dip the toe in the pool, it's a good way to do it for sure. No. Yeah. Cool. Uh,
3: email reviews. So we have an email review here from John. He says, so I came upon my old Boy Scout manuals from the 60s and early 70s. Um, There is, of course, a huge amount of great bushcraft and survival skill information inside. But one thing that jumped out at me is there are no stoves anywhere. No mention of stoves, no photos of stoves, and no reference to stoves in cooking directions. All cooking is done over an open fire. After pondering this for a bit, I decided a few things. Fire starting in a survival situation is a tier one skill, and it deteriorates over time. Campfire cooking is also a necessary skill, and it too deteriorates over time. When was the last time you cooked your entire meal over an open fire, and do you roast it in the flames? Must you wait until there are coals, or can you bury it in the coals? I'm sure that even the newer generations can impale a hot dog on a branch and cook it over a fire, and also apply the theory to cooking the fish. But campfire cooking, done right, also needs tools. Who has a pot in which you can cook a meal for four people? I have visions of the youngsters trying to cook a damp squirrel in their 750 milliliter titanium cups. Many on this podcast must have experience with a cast iron skillet, but who has used a Dutch oven? I resolve to skip the stove and only cook on an open fire in future trips. Oh, how much time will that add to the task of cooking? Wood gathering, fire building, fire tending, actually cooking, serving, and cleaning all the pots and pans and utensils. Continue your superior podcast.
0: Okay, let's get the Dutch oven jokes out of the way. I'm just gonna
3: jump right out here. Um, One of the unique um, opportunities I had when I was growing up was I was part of an 18th century reenactment group. Um, We were at the time, or the time period we were reenacting, was the British redcoats, um, and everything we did while we were at the campouts was based off of a cast iron Dutch oven and cast iron frying pans. So I've cooked everything from. Um, stews to handmade apple pies on cast iron over an open fire
2: hmm. nice did K-7. you ever use a reflector oven
3: <clears throat> no do you know what it is i've seen them i've seen them used in such um in like the stone prop ovens and such I've never used any of that myself
2: instead yeah, we, we mostly
3: s- use the cast tripods
2: yeah
0: so the tripods are surprisingly cheap uh, princess auto and even Cabela's I think has a cheap set it goes on sale quite quite often yeah um, for the Dutch oven which we have as well but full disclosure I have not okay, I got the Dutch oven joke. I've given Dutch ovens, but never, never mind. Anyways <laughs> Okay, I couldn't resist. Uh yeah, so we have had the Dutch oven, we've never actually used it that often. I think we tried once or twice. I was like, Yeah, it works, but it's like it's just time, right? We don't have time to so sit there and play with it all the time. And of course it's gonna sound horrible, but yeah, like when the things go sideways and you run out of propane, then we'll worry about having learning how to use it. It's horrible, but that's just kind of the way it's gone. Yeah. Um, it's actually very hard to keep them conditioned, too, I find, because like we're fighting to fight rust on ours right now quite a bit. But that's just because of the moisture here, I think, more than anything else. Yeah. Um, so first things first, uh, I can't, having been in you know, beavers, cubs, and scouts myself, I still can't believe they actually let us play with fire as often as they did. No. Good say we're all like, <laughs> pre-adolescent fricking boys and running around with freaking matches and like like striking our matches and throwing them everywhere and like we didn't catch oh, yeah. forests on fires and
2: uh, I just
0: it was crazy anyway but it was good so yeah no 100 uh, percent we did not use the stove in Boy Scouts and uh, yeah so I guess campfire cooking is definitely a skill but we did everything from s'mores in foil to potatoes and foil we've done uh, we've Cake actually done a bag.
2: The,
0: yeah we've done the the lattice work uh, fish cooking. So you like, yeah, basically do a, the filet of fish and you uh, do a lattice work over top and you, and you kind of like squish it between two lattices and you can do it that way. Um, you can certainly do it on a stick if you want, but then you're probably going to lose half of it in the fire. Um, let's see here. Do I, yeah, with the variant and coals, well, that's what the Dutch oven's for. It's like, yeah, you just put the coals on top and the bottom and
3: cook on all sides. Yeah. You can bury also do it. that with fish when you have the skin on um bury the a whole fish in the coals um and then cook on top of it for a bit and it um partially smokes them and then once you're ready to eat them unbury them spread them out and then take the skin off
0: hmm. pierre you've uh, done the dutch oven thing
4: oh yeah, yeah. It, it also involved chocolate milk so it was extra stinky but Um, No, but actually that Dutch oven uh, from Princess Auto, we actually have one as well. And I'm like, oh, sweet. But yeah, no, we haven't tried it. And I'm like, you know what? Like we had the power lose out a little while ago, but we kind of lived fancy, right? Uh, We were, so we busted the generator out to make sure we didn't lose any food. And then we have uh, a fancy cooking stove with two burners and an oven and our barbecue and everything. And I'm like, we were actually watching Yellowstone on the side of the house because we had a projector that works off Bluetooth and we had stuff downloaded because we knew it was coming. So, I mean, we were living pretty large while everybody else had no power, but, uh, that might be something that, uh, you know, to take worthwhile is, uh, take them out, make sure they're nicely cured, not full of rest and maybe, uh, try that out. See if, uh, we don't, we don't do a horrible job.
0: Yeah. I think even more so than the, uh, the Dutch oven, the tripod, just to suspend stuff over the fire is a a huge benefit tool because, I mean, to shape three rods of metal like that uh, after the fact, an emergency is going to be a lot tougher to do than buying the the cheap set from Princess Auto or Cabela's ahead of time. Yeah. Um, But cleaning all the pots and pans, I mean, we've just got one of those blue metal camping uh, kettles. Like, I I can't remember the actual name of those those speckled white and blue kettles. Anyway, um, I don't know which one you're talking about. Yeah, those kind of specialized camping ones. Yeah, so the old ceramic
3: metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: yeah, we keep uh, just like a, a water kettle on top of the fire all the time because it gives some uh, thermal mass. When the fire goes yep. down, it kind of keeps radiating heat, but also uh, hot water ready to go when the fire goes out. So for dishes yep. and pots pans, even hot water for making tea or itchy band noodles or whatever you need to make. Um, yeah i always have water on there it's just it seems to be a thing when we were running the uh, the wood stove in the winter so but during summer it's another whole thing right um and well we do the outdoor princess auto stove we've really never used that either except for making sea salt and random other stuff like that just not a not a big use item
4: yeah but. have you guys also seen those brackets you can buy that are probably a lot smaller but they're i don't know i want to say three quarters of an inch of steel and they've cut three holes on specific angles so you can pretty much use any tree branch to make a tripod to go over a fire no uh, So kinda... instead of like lugging around a, a, tr- a whole tripod even with the collapsible legs it's just I mean it's probably a little bit of steel or whatever I'd have to try and find the video and send it but yeah it's just a, a chunk of like a triangle and it's got three cuts in it and you just put the sticks through and you can make your own tripod
0: The Hmm. same idea as the uh the sawhorse brackets you just put the two by fours in right which is uh for for a a fire tripod makes sense that would be
1: something very good to look at look into yeah and you're not like you say pierre you're not you're not carrying around all the the metal you just you've got i'm assuming it's probably a round or an oval disc and the three holes in the top and you find the branches and away you go
4: yep so now yeah and instead i mean i'm sure you can find a tripod that you can collapse and probably weighs next to nothing that you wouldn't even notice the difference it being in your pack. But I mean, you know, if the bracket's 20 bucks and that's 300 bucks, just bring the bracket. You're already going to cook over a fire. So you're going to have wood, go find some good branches and make your own tripod practice a skill. Absolutely.
0: Cool. Well, I think that's pretty much it for today. I guess
2: Um, that bracket you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Eight eighteen $18 on Amazon.
0: Yeah. Is, is there go. anything Jeff Bezos can't do? You gotta you gotta fund mm-hmm. those penis rockets somehow, right?
2: Yeah, yeah like that. that right there. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. So you that's just handy. put the three things. That's super light. Yeah.
2: yeah.
4: It's like twenty bucks. That's what I mean. Like I'm like that's not a bad idea compared to a whole tripod system, right? I mean, if you want to do the fancy backyard, then yeah, get the fancy one. But throw that in your bag and you'd be laughing.
2: This is. This is $18 right now, which is 25% off of its normal $24. Add to cart.
0: Yeah, well, that's for sure. That's a good one. Cool. Well, I guess with that, I'll bring episode 178 of the Canadian Purple Podcast to an end.
1: You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbeam, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Please help us out and submit a review. It helps others uh, find us. Uh, You can find me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca or I am uh, frequently on the Discord app.
2: Oh, Oh, crap. Brad? Sorry, guys. Sorry. (laughs) uh, If anybody wants to get a hold of me, it's at batbradcpp at gmail.com. Cool. Darius, you want to get a hold of me at any
3: point? Yes, I can. Um, And you can get a hold of me at any point on the Discord app. And... Go
2: ahead.
3: Yeah, go ahead. Pierre? Um, You can
4: mostly find me on the other CPP tomorrow night, mostly talking about other stuff. But uh, the occasional time, I'm on the Discord as well. And uh, if you ever need anything custom made, you can send an email off-the-wall customizing at gmail.
1: You 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 do the um the can opener T-shirts, right? I had to get it in there.
4: <laughs> yes, sir. There we go, yes, sir. Yes, uh, we made those actually like five like five minutes before Brad left the house. We were like, hold oh, yeah. on, those. Yeah, me and uh, well, mostly Mel did whatever, <laughs> but yeah, we bust that off real quick and uh, yeah. So we make those. Uh, well, what does it say? Yeah.
0: Like, to just show like a can opener. and That's it.
4: It's a can opener, and it says Canadian Prepper Podcast.
0: Oh.
2: <laughs> Ooh.
4: literally the show ended and Eric was like yeah I want one <laughs> yeah. so yeah it was pretty funny <laughs> yeah.
0: excellent awesome uh, well you can reach me directly by emailing me at the at gmail.com and you can also find me with Pierre on Canadian Patriot Podcast which is on iTunes and YouTube recording Monday evenings at 9pm Eastern there you can find us discussing why government waste in society makes you do inventories just for fun uh, personal note yeah i'll be offline for six weeks uh despite the fact i didn't even make fun of eric this whole time i'm sure <laughs> i'll put up both those six weeks of chir- chirping for uh, for this but yeah i'll be off uh at it on course so i'll uh unfortunately won't be able to make the podcast which is too
2: bad good luck man yeah thanks buddy yep. yeah, it's yep. all good
0: well thanks for joining us and until next time be prepared stay safe
1: and keep learning